citizens of the verse today is june 14th 2952 and welcome to citizen cast we're a weekly star citizen podcast and we've been doing it weekly for the past three weeks now uh here to discuss what's going on in the game and its development i'm your host way too geeky and tonight of course i'm joined by my two co-hosts he may not speak banu but he knows how to barter it's Chekhov. say hello Chekhov. Hello. I was afraid we're going to change to monthly podcast. I'm so yeah. happy we're still. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, and, and while he may seem like a warrior turtle, he doesn't stay in his shell. It's Seagard Olsen. Hello, Seagard. I like turtles. Turtle, turtle. <laughs> and tonight we do have a special guest. Is it a bird of prey? Close, but not really. It's Skyguard. Welcome to the show, Skyguard. Thank you, Geeky. Happy to be here. Uh, so this is your first episode, as I'm learning. I don't know why I thought you were on before, but uh, for all of our listeners who don't know you, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and um, you know about your journey in Star Citizen so far. Let's see. I joined the game. Well, I first started watching it back in 2013. Um, Kind of wrote it off at first, and then I saw the Whitley's guides and really enjoyed those, so I kept watching them just for fun. And then sometime around October, November last year, Odyssey fell flat in its face, and I decided to take a look at what Star Citizen was up to. I found your podcast, and the rest is history. Amazing. That's right. Now I'm like actually really recalling when you joined everything and sort of started uh, taking part. If I'm not mistaken, the R word was still around at that time. No, we don't speak that around here. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, verboten, <laughs> even though it's our email address still. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. I, I know that's on me. I can't remember the password. Check off. That's the only oh. reason why I haven't changed it. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're the one who created it, and I have a feeling I know what it is, but I don't know. <laughs> so, either either yeah. send me the password or or change it. <laughs> okay. Um. Anyway, uh, well, thanks again for joining us. In case you guys didn't know that the intro was my cheeky play on uh, Alien Week this week, um, which is sort of. Uh, kicked off with um, First Contact Day, which happened over the weekend, and there were Bar Citizens and all that stuff. Um, But we should be getting a lot of alien-focused content this week. Um, So, uh, you know, first question as always, uh, Skyguard, is, you know, what have you been up to this past week in the verse? Ooh, a bit of this and that. I've done a lot. I've done some hauling. That was fun. Trying for Lair and Night. And it's actually been rather scarce lately, uh, mostly titanium because Laronite's not been available. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very excited for salvage. That should be interesting. And I tried to do a missing persons mission last night, and it's there is nobody there. And let me tell you, not having any bodies in a blown-up ship is more creepy than having bodies. <laughs> like what happened to that person? <laughs> You keep expecting a xenomorph to pop out of you or something. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, that's some good stuff. Um, sounds like you got a little a, a little hodgepodge um, with your time this past week. Uh, cool. Um, 
Seagard, what about yourself? What have you been up to this past week? I was I was doing the um, some of the hauling, uh, like uh, Skyguard, and uh, trying to look for a fully circular route. Mm-hmm. Uh, eh, that found some routes, but you know it's still so much more profitable just to do short routes. Um, you know, real short routes. Ten minutes out, ten minutes back, drop off a full load in the C two. So it, it just doesn't pan out um, for me. Uh, so mm-hmm. then I switched to a little bit of um, trying to just uh, ended up just taking off. I got jumped and got a crime stat of three. Um, so I just kind of decided to roll with it. And I woke mm-hmm. up in Grim Hex and bought some pirate garb and uh, immediately went out and started uh, doing some bad guy missions um, from the one of the characters within Grim Hex. And that was pretty fun. Um, and then I uh, turned that into a second mission. Again, pretty fun. And then finally I decided later in the week to switch over to try to figure out a way to, to take an image of a, of a planet and then designate an area potentially for you know the group to go do an exploration type mission or a mining area a mining mission over a given area. Mm-hmm. So set of coordinates, just pick an area that's visible from a waypoint or one of the, uh, um, you know, the markers, one, you know, the you know, one through six markers, you know, around the planet or the moon, mm-hmm. draw it, you know, draw a mark and the arrow around it and say, let's go here and let's look. So um, that's, that's been pretty fun. And then today I was trying to get a signature of what a cave looked like for scanners. So I found, we were, in fact, we were just doing that check off myself, Hamar. Skyguard was uh, participating from while he was cooking and eating. So. Nice. Yeah. That's great. Um, miss your check off. Well, I am actually still stuck in that cave that... Uh, as we speak, the, the cigarette is describing. But as far as what I've been doing overall, uh, I finally bought the classic in-game, the Cutlass Black, and decided to make that my sort of a keeper ship or my hauler, where not to haul cargo, but this is where I'm going to keep everything and anything that I need, you know, armor, uh, you know, food, water supplies, uh, mm-hmm. Guns, ammunition, everything. So try to keep that ship alive. So I'm beefing it up with with weapons and shields, but just for uh, the strictly for defense purposes. I don't plan to take bounties or anything. Uh, it mm-hmm. also has what I found out communal lockers, which, by the way, for science we did test that out. Uh, so I mean, I'm jumping ahead of myself, but uh, it is something that whatever you put in there anybody that's you know in your party can use so it's not like your local inventory it's a common kind of a place uh, just like the gun rack you could store stuff in these lockers i have oh. like, food there i have like mining uh, what's it use the, there. what's it use the existing interface uh yeah yeah so when i when you press i right so now i have uh, actually, when I'm facing it, I, I, I press F and it opens up. And then the other window, 
is my local inventory or my backpack mm-hmm. or my, um, you know, whatever I'm wearing because my suit, right? Yeah. So you have an option of moving it around. Yeah, nice. Which is a pretty cool feature. That's helpful. So it's sort of your runabout. Yeah, exactly. It's my runabout. This is the one. Cool. That's great. That's nice. Uh, I'll have to think about that for my cutty. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely worth it. I mean, you don't want to, you know, make a, your character run about it's just too big. You know? I don't mind uh, it, though, because it's so fast in quantum, but I guess it's not that fast, you know, it's not that fast post-quantum, so I guess it's give and take. If I'm space station to space station, I don't mind so much. Yeah, well, for me, it's additional utility. I also use it to haul my rock around, right? So I can mm. do rock mining. So, and then the cargo is just big enough. So if I were to do like continuum mining, I could use it to do, you know, re- refining, you know, uh, oh, or I nice. should say, you know, carry All back it. the refined ore you know, back mm-hmm. and so on. So yeah, I find it that it's just perfect for, for that. And so I was a toss up nomad or cutlass and I decided just cutlass had a lot more to offer. Nice. Depends it is a great. How... Go Pardon ahead, Skyguard. Depends on how often you blow that cutlass up, though. Well, yeah. exactly. So now the trick is I, I'm very careful. I want to keep it alive. Yeah. Good, good uh, point. Um, well, I mean, that's also kind of a test <laughs> of your durability because, you know, we definitely want to prepare for death of a spaceman, even though exactly, the, right. the true incarnation of it's going to be different and ships won't be so pew pewy and all that fun stuff. Um, my week, I did a little bit of hauling during the weekend. Um, I did a little bit, I think, during the week as well. Not a lot. Um, I did uh, come up with a stomach bug. Uh, over the weekend as well, um, which left me very incapacitated for quite some time. And I took yesterday off from work to recover. And instead of actually playing the game, because I felt a little... um, I watched all kinds of Star Citizen video content, including, like, different... um, you know, some of the different uh, citizen con presentations and things, even though I've seen them all before, um, I watched it again. And the one that fascinated me the most, or one of the ones that fascinated me the most was when they showed off our corp for the first time in engine after they figured out how to use their planet tech for cities and talked about how they're going to use similar tech to propagate internal space so that they can build out cities faster. And I knew they were going to do that, but for some reason, since they haven't been talking about it as much, you know, part of me was like, okay, well maybe they abandoned that, but it does still sound like even though Stanton is quote unquote done, we still have a lot of Stanton left that they're going to be building out. And I feel like Montreal is going to be doing that behind, behind them kind of like filling out the location. 
while they build up the team there. Um, but I guess we'll see. But it's it does. I mean, you, and you look, they're talking about the Lorville skyline now, and and mm-hmm. how they're going to fix that. And they did talk about building interiors. So, you know, I I can only imagine how much more content they're going to turn up. Oh, and the same video they talked about how like Area 18 won't be the only landing zone on Arc Corp. So it left me kind of like, oh yeah, this game is going to continue to expand and and make it so that when you're switching systems or even switching planets, it's a, it's a decision. Uh, so yeah, and I just kind of also up my pyro hype by watching the most recent one again. Uh, anyway, uh, this past week in the verse was, um, I'm going to give it a mixed bag, but you know, I'll let you guys be the judge of that, uh, as well. Uh, on ISC, uh, the first part of the episode was about nine tails. Obviously we're gearing up for the event coming up, uh, very soon. Um, what did the narrative team talked about how they're a little bit more of a flashier gang, you know, they mm-hmm. definitely like to, uh, it's almost like they're showing off or they don't care as much to be hidden. Uh, they are combat trained as well. Um, what was interesting is the flare is, you know, um, nine tails related, but they talked about how they're a pyro gang, but at the same time, their hub in Stanton is Grimhex. So, um, that's also interesting. I wonder if they'll have a presence in pyro or if that's a, an issue. Um, and then obviously we all know Rudo is the mission giver for their missions. So pretty basic stuff that most of which we knew. Uh, and then the second half was a, uh, view of the commodity kiosk changes as they move them over to building blocks. These were prototypes, so they weren't necessarily the end product. Um, but the hope is to give you more information about demand as well as what's available in the shop versus what's available in your ship and, you know, where the demand sits. Um, uh, they also showed off sort of several different versions of that so that you can see where different locations might have a different flavor. So that was ISC. Um, Skyguard, did you get a chance to watch it? And if so, what were your thoughts? Well, I've known that Nine Tails is a bit flashy. If you, I, I read lore on them, and they kind of introduced themselves with a bang, so to speak. So mm-hmm. it's fitting with their character to dress themselves out to the nine, so to speak. Um, yeah, <laughs> Madi Kiosk was interesting. There is also a follow-up post on Spectrum, which elaborated that they want to do a lot more. They just haven't had the time because it would elongate certain production timelines. So they chose not to. What um, Do you know, I didn't see the Spectrum post, but did you know what in particular they were referencing with regards to that? Uh, stuff like showing your ship being loaded in real time. Oh. Yeah. Oh, so you're, it was it, out of curiosity... It was this in relationship to how it will manifest when we come to physicalize um, uh, cargo, or do you even mean like just a timer of the ship being loaded? I think or it was showing the know? actual cargo being loaded into the ship, but I don't know for oh, sure. Okay. I'd have to check the post again. Oh, okay. I mean, no worries. It's it's extraneous. I mean, it's not extraneous, but you know, obviously we can. 
we can look it up afterwards. It is um, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I do find it interesting personally. Well, plus I'll comment on it in a bit, but you know, not everyone was so thrilled. Um, uh, Seaguard, what about yourself? Uh, you know, I did watch it. Uh, you know, I was entertained by it. Um, I always, you know, I kind of have a positive outlook towards the game and its development anyway, so I'm a little bit more the glasses you know, half full. <laughs> yeah, uh, optimistic, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. So I did kind of like it, um, and I, I I didn't know a lot about the Nine Tails, so that was kind of informative for me and. And I, you know, and I actually kind of like the, uh, like they came out with the, the clothes, right. As the, mm-hmm. as the gift. And, um, and it kind of made me think, you know, why don't we have paint colors that match that for the ships, right? Why can't you have a buccaneer with, you know, the copperhead color scheme or the, you know, the others, right. I mean, the factions within the, within the, yeah. within the uh, that was my kind of takeaway from it. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought it was a great show. Excellent. Um, Chekhov, since you yeah, managed thought, to see some content this week. Yeah, Nine Tails were <laughs> cool. But, uh, the, uh, the uniform's definitely great. I am looking actually forward to finding them as loot because that's what they said. Should be able to get all the subscriber stuff as loot. I'm sure they did. I actually did find one already when we were doing bunker missions. So uh, I'm sure more of it will be available, but haven't found those specific ones yet. But what I found really more exciting are the, are the new terminals because it is definitely a huge improvement because they're absolutely right. Sometimes you walk up to them and you think they're bugged or uh, you don't really know what's going on. I mean, this is definitely takes it up a notch. Uh, quite a bit more informative, what you have on board, what you can, cannot sell at the terminal. So it definitely uh, shows you that, yes, it's not a buck terminal. It's just you have a wrong commodity or your commodity is uh, empty, whatever the case is. So I thought that was a really nice improvement. All righty. Yeah, I, I, I think so too. I think it... It's at least a incremental increase from where we are now. And quite frankly, building blocks has been shown to be much more performative in general um, than, than the prior system. I mean, flash, hmm, I can't imagine why um, we have issues with that, but um, yeah, I, I thought it was an okay episode. Wasn't as excited afterwards as I thought I would be maybe because the, the commodity kiosk stuff seemed cool, but it wasn't like earth shattering or anything. And I, I love UI since I recruit UX UI designers and mm-hmm. I look at portfolios all day. Uh, and I was just like, Oh, this is fine. It seems simplistic. I thought it'd be a little bit more interesting, but it was, it was, it's serviceable. Um, others in the community, I've heard someone who might be a little saltier, um, was very unhappy with it and said, felt that there was too much space dedicated to a visual of a ship, um, which maybe is a fair point, but perhaps if you're using it to see how far along your ship is in terms of loading it, maybe that's why it's there. Um, so 
whatever. Uh, good enough for me. <laughs> um, uh, next, we had a Star Citizen Live last week. It was an introduction to all the members of the community team. I'm not going to really rehash that uh, so much as just tell you a little bit about what they talked about, and I'm talking a little. Um, uh, first and foremost, the day-to-day of community managers, they essentially are responsible for interacting with the public on anything having to do with the game. So whether it's reports, responses to questions, social media, etc. Um, they handle a lot of that. Uh, they also talked about the bar citizens coming that, that happened this past weekend. They didn't, as far as I know, didn't mention anything about the broader bar citizen effort that they're going to be doing this summer. Um, the thing that I found the most interesting, and I don't know what form this is going to take, but they talked about putting something together for Gamescom. And that to me confuses me because is it a formal presentation? Is it just a video? What could that possibly be since they haven't really done anything for Gamescom since 2017? Um, With the Layer 3 video. So, you know, I thought we're not doing those demos anymore, but maybe it's something lightweight. Um. Anyway, so that was that was Star Citizen Live. It was a little bit more of a wasn't as you know, it's not like the ship Q and A or even the lore Q and A I like. Um uh what did you think, Skyguard? I didn't actually watch it. Um huh? normally I do watch them uh every now and then these in those large style interviews with the devs can make my eyes glaze over sad to speak sad to say but uh happens the gamescom thing you mentioned might be in just me speculating throwing stuff out there might be in response to starfield and i've heard they're trying to get squadron 42 out very soon because they're coming up on the 10-year anniversary Hmm. remember i was saying and Bryce said, you know, they're moving to England. That's that's for a purpose. Oh, I, I mean, it's definitely see, gearing for Squadron. Yeah, I think we're going to see Squadron 42 before the end of the year. I actually think the box set will be out next, early next year, if not before Christmas. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Christmas is a big sale day, right? I mean... You got to put your product out to market on time. And and you have to think about other competitors and things like that. So I really do think that uh, there's potential there. Yeah, especially when that new game coming out, whatever the, I forget the name, because they're claiming uh, 23 release also. So it certainly would make sense to beat them. Yeah. Huh. I I wonder. I mean, maybe it'll be a teaser for it, like a teaser that something's coming. I feel like we would have gotten. I don't know. I think if anything, it's gonna be more of a end of the year announcement. The best. I think ans- we'll know when it's coming out this year. I think the best answer right now we have is wait and see. Yeah, yeah, and, but they. But you're absolutely correct. They're, yeah, yeah, but you're absolutely correct. This is in an effort to gear up 
I mean, even with Jared being there, there, there's no other explanation as to why they sent Jared there unless he wanted to move there for some reason. I can't imagine. Uh, unless he's building a team over there, too. But be I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Uh, Either way, I'm sure we're in for some exciting news this year. But we're always in for exciting news. Uh, What about you, uh, Seaguard? What do you think of the episode? Sorry. I realized uh, since we all started talking (laughs) that I didn't necessarily go through the list. I watched a portion of it, and it was, you know, it's always good to see those people because they do do a lot for, you know, they they make it possible. I mean, there's, you know me, I'm always the uh, supportive guy, but I didn't watch the whole thing. Um, Yeah. I just thought it was uh, interesting, especially the one guy who would basically was a volunteer and at uh, one of the the uh, the shows in Germany, and uh, eventually yeah. became you know became the guy or one of the guys you know for that. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool. Two were fans. Yeah. Yep. I think. Uh... Two, uh, yeah, I think well, it almost sounded like more more than two came from the community. Well, two, two specifically, two of the newer guys came from the community. Jared came from the community. Yeah, yeah right. Um, but much earlier on. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that that's interesting, and it it is nice to to sort of highlight those folks. The, the hard part for me, sorry, check off. I'm sort of skipping ahead. Oh, it's okay. And then I all shut up. The hard part for me is, I feel like they need to do a little bit more coaching for some of the people. And I'm not talking about this group specifically, but sometimes when you have some of these teams, especially the more technical teams, and in particular, I, I find it happens a lot more like when you're talking the real heavy technical teams. It'll be like, well, what do you do for Star Citizen? And it'll be like a six minute introduction and you know it's sort of like all right can we make it a quick snapshot because people want to get to their questions sometimes you're like you almost feel like they're playing stall ball because there's questions they want to avoid answering um but who knows what what did you think check well uh, i thought it was even though it's, it's the most boring was the most boring episode ever i i kind of uh, listened to it because it's important to, uh, I guess, to not only know that we do have uh, community managers because, you know, to me, I mean, perception is reality and it's very important that we have a group of people that address uh, all the concerns that are out there in this day and age. You know, they could come from anywhere, you know, Reddit, social media, uh, you know, our own channels. So uh, mm-hmm. I thought the team was, you know, okay, even though, I was hoping that they would explain, even though somebody said, oh, let me, I was, I was so like excited to hear their intricate process of how they handle feedback and they really said nothing uh, yeah. about it. So that was a little disappointing. Uh, I mean, because to me, I really want to understand how do they really handle these, um, you know, our, our uh, you know, bug reports and our concerns, you know, and a little bit greater detail, like more 
sort of to understand there's a more formal process. It sound it didn't sound like there is a formal process at all. It more sounded like, well, you know, if all hell breaks loose, I just pick up the phone and I just call anybody that wants to hear me. So yeah. I, I don't know. You know. Yeah. Well, because at the end of the day, they're not, they're not like, they're sort of, it's interesting because they're not quite customer support, right? right? But in some ways, their job sort of touches on that, right? right. It's, they, they remind me more of like PR people who aren't trying to necessarily spin things. Um, yeah. Well, they are, but, they are kind of customer support, but in, for an alpha product. Yeah. Because right? alpha doesn't have support yet. So they're the next best thing to support that we would have for an alpha product. Yeah. But I mean, ultimately, QA addresses those issues. Uh, you know, it's just really they might they might collect it. But even I don't know how much they look at the bug reports compared to QA. I don't know. I think they more are aware of what's going on in the game and then address it. So they're more like keeping people in the loop of what's going on, I guess. Uh, Okay, cool. Um, So this week, since it is Alien Week, Thursday should be kicking off some of the more formal stuff. Although today we got a a post in Xi'an that people have to decrypt. Has anyone done any of that yet? Mm. No. No. Is that one of Sherry... I, don't, I think it is Sherry Hyber. I mean, she is one of the, the geekiest ones. Yeah. In a, in a loving way, Sherry, if you, if you listen. Yeah. I started, I, I started she also seems like one level. of the most likely to listen. <laughs> is that on the dev tracker you saw that? No, it's a, it's a, it's a com post on the website. I don't know. That's a good look. It was posted just recently. Um, but there should be some... Updates, contests, uh, some paint offerings for, I'm going to guess, alien ships. And then also this week's episode of Inside Star Citizen. It's going to be, as far as I can tell, all about the Banu Merchantman and some of the, uh, it says, in an in-depth development status update. So I know a lot of people are thirsty for updates around that puppy. We've been seeing stuff since a lot of content around it since CitizenCon. Um, so um, I'm excited, even though I don't own one, because I can't wait to, to go aboard one and haggle for something really cool on my ship. Um, I don't know if I'll ever own one. You have one, right, Seeker? <laughs> Sorry, swallowed wrong. Mm. Uh, I no, like, I had a nerve. Caught me off guard. I no longer oh. had. <coughs> Sorry. Oh, that's all right. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure we know plenty of people. Yeah, I've got. Um, you know, I'm. I'm well, now you have the privateer alien ships. Mm-hmm. Um, that I might, I might get. I might. Well, you know, don't feel pressured. There's. Probably <clears throat> in our community, probably twenty of them. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I know. So, yeah. um, plus you have a ship that does something similar. 
Um, and then on Friday, uh, Jared and lead concept artist Frederick Dupair are doing a, an alien theme Star Citizen Live game dev. So don't know what that will be, but I'm sure it'll be one of the more interesting ones just because I feel like whenever it's alien oriented, they tend to at least do something a little more fun. Um, now, uh, that brings us to the roadmap roundup, which we, oh, hang on one second. The music in my living room is a little loud. One second. <coughs> Darn cats. All right. Sorry about that. Um, you, you have to turn it down. Yes. My, my roommate, <laughs> um, He's not a cat, but he watches TV. Um, anyway, the, the roadmap roundup was fairly interesting, so I'll go over uh, those. Uh, first and foremost, release view. After talking at great length with the team in Montreal, uh, they realized it makes more sense to split the derelict reclaimer points of interest card into two different cards um, due to the development work being specifically different for each. Therefore, the description and title of the original card has been updated, and the following card has been added to release view. Uh, Derelict Reclaimer Space Missions. A variety of handcrafted, narratively unique missions that have been created for new Derelict Reclaimer wreck sites in space. This feature has been added to the Alpha 317 column and is targeting delivery in Q2 in uh, 317.2. And then, um, you know, we still have the, the settlement one as well. Uh, and then they marked the following deliverables as passing their final review. Therefore, they are committed on release view. Uh, the additional Stanton Lagrange points, the derelict reclaimer settlement, settlement point of interest, the derelict reclaimer space missions, uh, AI and pla- with planetary navigation, illegal delivery missions, and the Siege of Orison. So all of those will be coming, um, pending nothing crazy happening like, you know, ruining the build. Um, And then on the progress tracker, uh, with this update, we're extending the planning horizon of upstream teams to include Q1 2023 with more teams to be added in a future polish, uh, publish rather. Uh, The following deliverables have been added to the progress tracker. Salvage vehicle munching. Implementing the ability to transform large chunks of metal salvaged from ships into a refinable material. This will use the grinder systems aboard salvaged ships like the Vulture and Reclaimer. This deliverable has been added to the EUPU gameplay feature team's (coughs) schedule. Uh, Freight elevators. Implementation of systems and content for players to physically load and unload cargo to and from their ships by conveying cargo to and from hangars, landing pads, garages, and docking collars. This deliverable has been added to the USPU gameplay feature team's schedule. New player experience. An initiative for improving the initial first 30-minute gameplay experience, which will help players understand the context of the world and introduce them to some of Star Citizen's basic features. This will include updates to landing zones, spaceports, habs, shops, and more. This deliverable has been added to the EU landing zone team schedule. 
Um, player machine physical interaction. Initial implementation of animations that show the player interacting with ship controls and items. Includes pushing buttons, flicking switches, and interacting with other areas of the cockpit. Also includes other machines and items, including locker doors. This deliverable has been added to the actor feature team schedule. Uh, the Aegis Retaliator Base. Building, implementing, and balancing the base variant of Aegis Multicrew Combat Ship, the Retaliator, as a gameplay vehicle. Uh, Game-ready vehicle. <laughs> this deliverable has been added to the vehicle content EU team schedule. Anvil Crucible. Building, implementing, and balancing Anvil's repair platform, the Crucible, as a game-ready vehicle. This deliverable has been added to the vehicle content EU team schedule. Uh, now, due to additional priority being put on the salvage work mentioned above, the following deliverables being removed from the progress tracker temporarily until it's rescheduled, and that is room depressurization. Um, Skyguard, what do you think about the additions and changes to the roadmap? Well, salvage is certainly going to be interesting. Um... <laughs> I wonder if they're going to have dual purpose for the munching. Will it be an easy way to uh, get rid of inconvenient stuff left over after you do certain activities in the Stanton system? I don't know. Good question. Really good question. Any uh, Anything else uh, stand out as interesting to you? Oh, it was a bit of a long list. Let's see. Uh, what was the list again? I was listening, but it's hard to remember it all. Uh, so, really quickly... Now you understand uh, how I feel. <laughs> and he doesn't even listen. <laughs> um, so everything was committed that we were expecting on the roadmap. Uh, on the progress tracker, salvage vehicle munching, freight elevators, a new player experience... Uh, player machine physical interaction, Aegis right. Retaliator okay, okay, base, okay. and the Crucible. Right. The elevator should be interesting for the Caterpillar. Um, player machine interaction will be really interesting considering if it, it's what I think it is like you switch off coupled mode, you hit a switch visibly or not, um, or switch to VTOL. That could be very, very interesting. Um, mm -hmm. Another thing, uh, people from what I've heard have been waiting for the retaliator base for a while, so that should really be interesting. Mm. Um, there'll just be a giant gaping hole in the middle of the ship. Who knows? Um, let's see what else. The new player experience should—that's definitely needed, um, especially if you're not joining an org at the same time. Yeah, definitely. One last item. Oh, yeah, the depressurization. That kind of a shame. It could have been really interesting with salvage. So, yeah. You're stripping the hole of the ship. Oops, there's still atmosphere in it. And oh, now it's jetting across, spinning in circles. You got to figure out how to arrest the spin somehow. Yeah. Well, on the plus side, at least it's another way to make us die. So. You know, at least we're going to wait That's, uh, for more uh, ways to make us die. If, if this <laughs> wasn't in the context of a game, that would be... <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, what about you, Seaguard? What are your thoughts on the, the uh, updates? Salvage and- is definitely cool. Salvage is definitely cool. Um, I, I definitely um, am, am intrigued by the Crucible. I mean, yeah. from a visual perspective, it's a very cool ship. It has that circular bridge <clears throat> where you can face backwards and forwards. And um, it also has, you know, uh, different types of rooms within it, which are cool. Uh, so I, I'm excited about that. Uh, that would be very, very neat. Um, the cargo bay, um, you know, the elevators, I think that's great. Mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to that so that I can now maybe start bringing up some vehicles and loading them into my ship. You know, hopefully it's not just yeah. cargo. Hopefully it's other things too. Um, yeah. And, and load them. Um, and then the last thing was the, uh, you know, the, the, the new experience, you know, for, for new players. It's funny. They used to have a series of missions on how to fly where you had an instructor. I don't know if you remember that way, way back. I think that predates me. <clears throat> yeah, he'd always just have his arms crossed, looking at you like, you know, blank visor. Couldn't see what he was, what he looked like. But uh, you always had to go. That's how you learned to fly. And then after a while, it just it wouldn't work anymore because the game changed so much. So yeah, yeah, and it probably didn't make sense to keep it. Yeah, it didn't. Technology was changing yeah. so fast. Yeah, that's you know, that's a good sign. That's a good sign. Yeah, yeah. What do you, what do you think, Chekhov? Um, nothing too exciting, but anything that kind of brings physicalized uh, components into play—that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. And salvage, of course. I mean, that's—I think everyone are looking forward to salvage. Yeah, I mean, for me, this is the industrial player's dream because it's. We're getting more to salvage sooner than we probably anticipated because I worried it was going to be, you know, the whole stripping for a while. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, who knows how long it's going to take to actually implement vehicle munching. But, um, you know, the fact that it's at least on the roadmap gives me hope that salvage will be progressing quickly. And they probably learned a lot about the implementation of mining in order to do that. Um the freight elevators, same thing. Like to me, it's like, okay, so at first physicalized cargo is probably going to be a disappointment because it's not going to be a huge change mm-hmm. as far as I'm going to consider it. I'm assuming it's not going to be that huge of a change, but then you start to see the elements are starting to come together. And those freight elevators have been in the game. Um, we've seen the location of them in the hangar. So now it's just yeah. like executing that and, and having it connect to the actual cargo um, bay, which is great. Cause I mean, like, you know, it, I feel like th- the question will be, will this commodity trading, well, maybe it'll involve, maybe it won't just be traded commodities. Maybe it'll be missions, cargo missions um, or whatever the case may be. Um, Will this involve, like, I'm just sitting there like, okay, what's it going to look like when you buy, you know, food and you buy food, does it get delivered to the cargo room and then you have to move it up through the cargo hangar to then be put aboard your ship 
is it going to be delivered to your hangar? Is it going to depend? Are you going to pay extra delivered to your hangar? And then you, you could pay less to just have it delivered. I, I don't know. I guess we'll see. Um, and then I'm, of course, really excited about the Anvil Crucible because Anvil is one of my favorite manufacturers, um, as well as um, I have a Crucible. <laughs> um, I have I a speaking... Oh, yeah, I have a Crucible. Oh, man. I have a, I have a Crucible... I have my big ships are my Crucible, my Carrick, and I upgraded my Orion to an Odyssey, but I never applied the upgrade, so I may cancel that and keep the Orion, or I may not. I, I haven't decided yet. Right. But I did have that really cool skin for the Odyssey that I really like, but I also yeah. sit there and I go, I'm, I'm going to fly my Carrick. Who am I kidding? Um... So I, I might just cancel that upgrade. But part of me also sits there and goes, what do I need an Orion for? Even though I like mining, I'm not necessarily gearing my gameplay around mining. Um, and especially since I'm not running an industrial org, you know, I guess it depends on if I can share ownership outside of an org. Like if I can give um, our industrial friends access to it as well then i won't care about keeping an orion um but if not then maybe having an odyssey is better because i can keep it within org and um you know have field multiple expeditions and and um i always think about it as the person who has the ship is the one you know uh gear like filling the ship with everything you need to have stocked for a good expedition so you know i could see one crew running that versus a carrick you know anyway i'm gonna shut up now because i've over talked it oh the one thing i will mm -hmm. say sorry is i do i i will be shocked if the anvil crucible looks the same as the concept art given that it was much like the Carrick uh, designed before metrics um, were in game and, and designed back with the old system. I could foresee it getting much bigger and I could foresee it changing its shape language. One, because they changed the, the shape language of Anvil a little bit more. Um, they defined it a lot more like, and, and when you really look, the first ship to really impact the shape language the most, um, besides exterior, you know, because the exterior, it's always the common thing is like, you know, the the big intakes uh, in the front and some sort of circular slash circular triangle motif going on with the ship. But the um, the Terrapin just is very anvil um, on the inside and then everything else that follows sort of follows that shape language. So I would imagine the crucible will do the same thing. Uh, excellent. Um, so super exciting changes, you know, just still a, a long ways out, but uh, I still to want to see just one follow up thing. I, I still oh, want right to be ahead. there. I still want to be there in that moment when, Chekhov accidentally vents the one of the rooms in your Carrick and uh mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you well, know, 
fascination yes. for doorways. <laughs> if uh, if he, it, it'll be just like when we were doing. Um, <laughs> it'll be just like. <laughs> it may happen. It may happen. <laughs> it'll be just like that when he was walking in uh, the doors when we were defending downtown. <laughs> if he vents a room, uh, but he doesn't get vented with the activity, I will definitely vent him with my pistol and revoke his revoke his imprint from my med bay. Do you have to do that or are you just hoping you can do that? Yeah. What's that? I think 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 he's very hostile about I think he's hoping. No, you can you can clear you can clear everyone's access from your med bay. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah that's a that's a feature. Already, it's been it's been a feature since like, um, it wasn't initially a feature, but I think when people would like keep killing you and then all that stuff and use your med bay, you could go in and actually click reset permissions. Oh, that's yeah. sweet. I don't no. know if it's just the owner who can see that. Now it's amazing they did that. But they can't get the Reliant, give a button on the inside. So when the thing spins into the vertical mode, when you're in the back, you know, when you wake up in the morning, that you can't yeah. get in the cockpit. They couldn't put a button on the inside that unspins it so it's flat again. See, that's an extra 100,000 credits. Yeah, that's true. That would make it a very expensive ship. So wait, the... Reliant doesn't stay in landing. Oh, because landing because the because the change is still tied. It's still bound to. They haven't bound it to K. They've bound it to the landing gear. Yeah, still. It's so it's still so bound. Frustrating because you're like you're you wake up and you're like, oh, this is great, and then you realize you could, only thing you do is get out the back. It's like, ow, oh, son of a b. Yeah. I mean, you'd think they'd. Now that they've got that transformation with the um, Scorpius, they'd be able to go back and quickly fix that. But maybe I'm sure maybe it's will. just not high priority, or it's not. It's not. Um, you know, um, All righty then. So that brings us to tips and tricks. Uh, we had zero submissions this week for tips and tricks. Um, but Skyguard, anything come to mind as a a tip or trick? Nothing besides what I've said in the past. Um, right. Oh, yes, actually. Uh, if you're flying a caterpillar into a something like HGMS Bezdeck or New Babbage or Lorville, mm-hmm. um, due to the aerodynamic features of the caterpillar it is best to stay as high in the atmosphere as you can and then do a sharp descent okay so, nice. that a fiery sharp descent that does you know that ends with a crash or is that just sudden descent well it depends on how good of a pilot you are <laughs> you, you can't you can of course um it, it's it's actually pretty easy to slow yourself down if you if you're familiar with the ship yeah it is <laughs> it's it's you could probably turn the engines off and from oh i don't know maybe 2000 feet and it might not blow up when it hits the ground 
I yeah. heard that you know, I heard that you can um I haven't tried it yet. I heard the front nose of the Carrick or the Caterpillar now has um well it has it maybe always had this. It has room for two dragonflies. Yeah, that's that's the intended function of that front portion. Right that I did not know that until I read that. Well, you Pretty can cool. probably fit more uh mules in there. Getting them down was harder though. Well, I imagine getting them in is even harder. Yeah, the mule? Yeah. Alrighty. Um Seagard, what about yourself? Uh tips and tricks. Um yeah, I would say um I went uh so I was in prison the other day along with my crime spree uh you know, go with the flow, play with the evil side for a while, the bad guy side for a while. So I got to prison, and I had uh, almost four hours of, of prison time. Uh, I was a very bad boy. So I actually found that I went down uh, and tried. I just wanted to try doing a, I was going to walk the caves. And I said, let's, I'll just try to mine a little bit. I don't mine often anymore. So it was a good little practice. And I found one of the dead ends. And in there, I was able, in those dead ends where it says, don't mine, there's actually some very good rocks in there. So um, if you're looking for a way to get out pretty quickly, go down there and you can, you can do one dead end to clear it out. And that took almost two hours off of my time. And I did one mission for um, just one mission to repair a oxygen station, to reset an oxygen station in section five of tunnel number two. And uh, that gave me enough to clear the rest. So you can do it very quickly. I was kind of surprised by that. And I wouldn't have necessarily thought to look in the, you know, the dangerous area section for mining, but it, it was fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, check off. I, I actually have a few things. Having tips. Yes, I do have tips. And you don't mean uh, frosted tips in your hair, right? Circa no, early no. aughts. No, not frosted tips. So I actually asked. My boy Ben days. <laughs> I actually asked Sigurd to even create a channel because uh, I think it'll be useful for the rest of our Discord members at Combat Tips and Tricks. So one of my first ones that I found, and again, it's new for me, may not be new for everyone else. So there's two actually. So in the new version, right, in, in, in this patch, uh, I don't know if anybody noticed, but the uh, the shields on the MFD on the medium size shield on, on like a let's say a Sentinel heavy fighter you only see a front shield and the rear shield and the side shields are are empty uh, well it's actually correct uh, the the new shields for um, uh, that size ship there are only two shields there's only a one in the front and one in the back, but they completely wrap around your ship. So your ship is, uh, well, that yet to be determined, but supposedly is still 100% protected, but uh, you don't, on your MFT, you don't see the left and right. You only see front and rear, and you can only mm-hmm. control front and rear. So, uh, and but the smaller ships, still a, for the same as they were, like Arrow 
and Bach, they would still have four. And the uh, larger ships, they're the same, but a, a little bit different. So, but anyway, the drastic difference is in the mediums and the heavy fighters. They only have two now. So mm-hmm. that's one tip. If you notice the difference in the MFD, that's what it's all about. And the other one has to do with missiles, which I didn't know. Apparently, when you know when you see your missile rack, it's actually the missile rack. There's a number, it says MSD, let's say 341. So I never knew what those numbers were, but uh, the first number is the size of the missile rack. The second number is that how many missiles the rack can hold. And the third number is the size of the missile. So MSD 348, uh, uh, I'm sorry, MSD 381 would mean that it's a size three, can hold eight one-size missiles. Three, four, one, size three, can hold four one-size missiles. That's cool. Good catch. Yeah. That is, I've never, uh, I've never <laughs> seen nor noticed that. Um, so that is, that's new to me. Uh, I thought um, that was common knowledge. Yeah, there you go. See, someone was here. Knew that some of us didn't. You're not messing with us, Skyguard? No, I, it was... <laughs> someone explained to me, like, first week I was in. Oh, wow. I mean, I just never... I didn't even notice that symbol. Where, where, Where is it? It's actually on the rack, Chekhov? Yeah, well, no, it's when, you, when you're in the terminal and you're buying the racks. Yeah, there, there, it's, oh. it's like rack, rack name, then number. Oh, yeah. I don't... I don't mess with my missile racks, that's why. Yeah, I don't do any of that. Oh, I tried to, but the Cuddy missile racks were broken at the time. Yeah. 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 I you don't know, know. Kind of dub- Go ahead. I don't know if they still are. I think it might have been because they're in tactically internal. Yeah. So I yeah, was uh, going to dovetail on that with the question, actually, maybe Chekhov or Skyguard now. So, um,. You know, I ran into dogfight the other day in my Drake Cutlass, and I was having, you know, the range of the missiles was, I was too close to fire the missiles. Basically, that was the message it was giving me. Mm-hmm. Um, has anyone figured out what the shortest range missile there is? I mean, is it's it? Size one, I believe. It's one I three is. So size one, but you're absolutely right. What I find is that even though I think they're supposed to be able to fire them as close as 300 meters, but I don't think it's true. I could never fire uh, missiles that close, but also when you when you get that close, the NPCs are moving so fast, it's hard to sort of maintain the distance. That's what I find. It might also depend on the type of missile and what yeah. type of lock it requires. Yeah, but, there are missiles um, that, that lock actually faster and some lock, lock slower. Yeah, missiles, they also have uh, uh, specs that you may want to consider. Yeah, I figure there's got to be a minimum and a max range on them. So, you know. yeah. What you want is you want, you know, a, a lot of quantity over quality unless you get to torpedo size and the EM missiles with a quick lock. Gotcha. Yeah. Definitely. 
Well, that brings us to our next segment. And since Chekhov criticizes me, it's our next segment with music. <laughs> our science. <laughs> All righty. Well, Skyguard, have you done anything in the name of science this past week? Not particularly. Okay. Um, Seaguard, how about yourself? Just, you know, I talked a little bit about that mapping, um, and I'm still working on it. And and other people have great systems out there. I mean, I found one that was, uh, I had just had their name up, but it was a, a cool little site. Um, actually, I think I sent it to you and Chekhov um, mm-hmm. in the chat. Uh, but, you know, there's different ways to identify where a um, a cave might be or, you know, a useful mining location might be. You know, you can do so many so much distance from uh, an OM and, you know, use three OMs and try to move yourself left, right, up and down until you get right on it. Um, and there's a few others. But I really I think. I think there is a way to make um, the gameplay a little bit better. Um, and I've been trying to take pictures of the of the of the of the moons or planet from a single OM point. And originally I thought I would do one from each OM point and then put them together like a global map, you know, the overlapping circles, right? And I thought you could um, overlay the textures that you see from the OM points to get a comprehensive coverage of the planet and then put a grid on it and everything else, right? I think the easier way I'm finding now is just to go to an OM point and look for interesting terrain features that are easily identifiable from space. So um, Haymore and I did one the other day, and it was near Ida at OM1, and you could see perfectly these mountain chains and these mountainous areas and rougher areas. And, and there were some that were blue. And then within that blue, they had darker and lighter colored blues. Um, so you could literally take a picture just from that perspective, circle it, you know, with your, your favorite paint editing tool and say, we're going to go here and we're going to explore. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just maybe you know something is there and you want to make it so that everyone has the fun of actually trying to hunt it down, but you don't want to make them sit there for 10 hours, you know, over a blank piece of earth and not find anything, right? You want to make a challenge of it. I just think that might be a way get a, a good way for missions to be run now, um, just doing these snapshots. And like at Ida, it was amazing how well you could sit there and look at the, look at the, the picture and then you could actually fly down and the terrain match the picture you just took at OM1. I mean, mm-hmm. you could actually follow it by looking, oh, there's a flat area to my right and there's a mountainous area to my left. And I'm just kind of skirting along this gap. Um, it was it was really cool to cover a big area in a reasonable amount of time. So, yeah. That's so the thing that we're still working on, but I think it's a good tip for some people who want to kind of do it the old-fashioned way, the hard way, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I also think that we don't use triangulation enough. I think we should triangulate stuff and, you know, and make, uh, right, you could kind of do do a picture, and in addition to that, you can triangulate the coordinates. 
Yeah. Well, Aberdeen, you would have to because Aberdeen had virtually no terrain that was visible because of the dust. And also, even the place we were going to was, we knew there was a cave there. So we were, I was kind of going there with Hamar and we were going to try to scan to see what a cave actually looked like from above um, on your scanner. And, you know, we found out that, you know, we could basically see individual gems showing up at about 600 mm-hmm. meters from the cave with an active pan. So, um, and you'd see a cluster of, let's say, 10 of them. And there's a cave right there when you get closer. Um, you're actually seeing underneath the, the surface. So um, it's just something we're working on. And it was, you know, we all went down to the cave. That was that was pretty fun. And I think for a lot of players like myself, I haven't gotten, in, I've gone in a couple caves, but certainly none of the bigger ones, right? Um, I'd like to go down and see some of the bigger ones and bring some rocks in there or some rock DSs and hand miners and Pisces, et cetera, shuttle stuff in and out. Uh, Yeah, I I think I have the coordinates for the large cave on Microtech. It's on the side of the mountain, and we took in, what was the largest? I think 600. Nick flew in the 600 in there. That's how big it was. Yeah, that would be good, especially if we can narrow it down to an area and let everyone kind of go search for it. You know, it means that some of the people who've been there, like yourself, would go, you know, you just kind of got to be quiet. But uh, I think that would be fun. Yeah, I have a triangulation for it. And even with that, it was difficult to find because it's not exact. Even after you get there, you still have to search for it. Right. And, as you know, Starguard brought up a you know, good point in it. We don't, we're not sure yet if all the planets rotate and if the OM points rotate with them, right? I know that some planets do not. I don't know that if there's any that actually do. Well, OM OM is always north, right? I'm sorry. It was always always south, right? Right? OM1 is, 2 is opposite of OM1. And I always thought OM1 is all because if you you start off OM1, you always have light. So to me, that means that um, you at, I guess, the, the North Pole. Well, it, um, I don't know that's, I think it is mostly true. Um, I think Ida, it was like one was to the left and uh, five or six was to the right. So you kind of went counterclockwise or clockwise around so, the planet. Let me tell you, two planets for sure, because I mine on them. Lyria and Aberdeen, OM1, is always in the light. Okay, it is. I know yeah. Crusader is that way, too, right? It's always yeah. above. Yeah, but that's well, an interesting point. I, I do think they're, they they follow the planet uh, curvature, because I think it is long-term supposed to help with navigation. But who knows? Uh, by the way, the the website that you sent is called verseguide.com. Yeah, I just started dabbling with it today. It looks pretty cool. I have potential there. They're coming out with Discord bots and um, and overlays uh, yeah. to help you with navigating. By the way, very cool. I, uh, anything check off from you? Oh, so we, I we know you're quite, on a mission now. I have quite a bit for science. Yes. 
So, and I've done this quite a bit. So thank you, Sigar, for dragging me into a cave. So that's like deja vu for me. Because that's all I did when I had a lonely Aurora and just uh, a hand mineable tool. That's all I did. And guess what? I remember actually uh, not only how cool it is, but it's sort of lucrative. So a c couple of things that I kind of found. Uh, foremost, uh, a full backpack, uh, Pembroke backpack of mineables. And I was not looking for heredite only. I absolutely mined everything inside. Uh, Dolabine, Aphorite, and Hedonite. Whatever I found, I took. And uh, not only I was able to fill up my backpack, but I was also able to fill up my suit. And I just sold. The total was 30000 which is not bad. Yeah, for, it's not bad and, at all. And I started when we started the podcast, and I just sold. Uh, but a couple observations. So unlike rock mining, the Dolavine and Aphorite and Hedonite are very accurate to what they should be. When I say that, I mean the resistance, the optimal window, and the uh, the, the uh, rock stability. So the Dolavine is the easiest one to crack. It has the highest opening for the window. Aphorite is second best, and Hedonite has the smallest window. And Hedonite has one other anomaly, which is really tricky. And you may find, you think first that you crack it and the rocks disappear. They don't. For some reason, when you crack them, they literally end up in a nice pile uh, several feet away from where the rock breaks, unlike Dolavine and Aphorite, which end up right there. So don't just assume that you didn't break them or they burst it look around carefully because they're there, but they're several feet away from where you crack the rock. Uh, and one other thing to be concerned about, when I was done, I was down to 25% oxygen, 50% water, and 50% food. So you, you could do it all, but you kind of have to watch it. Oxygen was definitely a potential concern if you go too deep, you may suffocate. So be careful with the oxygen. Did you bring any oxygen pens with you? No, I didn't, which that's a good point. I should have. See, this is where, and I haven't used an oxygen pen in, in probably more than a year. I always carry one of each on me, on my belt, and then I usually carry one of each in my, you know, my pouches on my waist. Yeah. And one other thing, everybody's welcome. My cutlass now, after my looting, is fully equipped with suits, with mining gadgets, with uh, everything and anything you need to survive. So you're welcome to use it. Uh, oh, there is one other thing I, I found that for some reason, meat chunks are not edible away from the store. I have a bunch of them, and I cannot eat any of them. Really? I, I eat them all the time. Yeah, I don't know. I well, on the cutlass anyway. I cannot eat them. I ate them on the store at the store, so I could. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, I myself didn't do anything for science, uh, so that is that. Um, that brings us to Seaguard's question, which he posted in two places this week 
because it was such a good one. Yeah. Um, and we got responses in both, but luckily it wasn't too complex to navigate. So um, he asked, do you want manufacturing and crafting gameplay uh, being added to the game? Do you envision crop farming? Will it be similar to manufacturing? Uh, Skyguard, do you remember your answer, or you want me to read what you put in the uh, chat? I can rehash it if you want to skip reading it. Um, doesn't matter to me. Okay, um, I'll rehash it. I think crafting and manufacturing game would be very interesting. Um, from what I've seen from the work docs on how ship repair is supposed to work. Looks like they're already going that route. I'm not sure if we'll have full Eve-style, I mean, yeah, Eve-style factories. It would certainly be interesting. Um, but it does look like we'll be able to manufacture stuff in game. Um, I'm not quite sure how farming would work because while it seems simple on the first, on the surface, it's actually very complicated. Hmm. Yeah, I'm curious how they'll do that, too. Especially, there's probably some automations that'll be yeah, taking place. Especially with Star, Citizens, Star Citizen, pardon me, uh, with the realism approach. It tends to mm -hmm. be... Yeah. Um, okay. That, that has a tendency cool. to complicate things. Yeah. Cool. Um... Mr. J.D. Boone said, could be fun. Right now with refining, you add value to ore, so in a sense we're already doing it. More so when the expanse comes in. Um, Silver Valk said, um, I'd love to see both manufacturing and crop farming become an important game loop when homestead and base building is finally introduced. A person or org should be able to string these together. For example, mining, refining, manufacturing, or farming, farming, manufacturing, food, fabric, drugs. My question will be, should these ventures be able to generate passive income by using NPCs, or should the game require real-time input from players to generate income? Personally, I would prefer the latter. Um, Earth mentioned... Manufacturing and crop farming is a must for me to realize my Endeavor Biodome space farm dream. I don't think they need to go into long crafting chains like other games, but simple construction by needing to pull together several materials seems almost required. That's how I see the Pioneer fabricating a hab, load with 12 different materials, press button, plop out a hab. For farming, I'd like to see a fairly detailed simulation. Uh, soil consistency and prep, nutrients, watering, planting, harvesting, seed gathering, storage, some tools or mechanicals to assist, etc. Chappie, um, I am Chappie, I am Chappie, uh, said, the MMO tag may make it a foregone conclusion. People just expecting, expect crafting in MMOs. I don't want to see them take the traditional route of crafting that gives you buffs i can't see them going that way anyway however i can see crafting as a profession that is just as viable as bounty hunting or mining but not one you would need to pursue unless you wanted to 
Um, Noctis Actual said crafting, yes, but not farming because I feel it will take years and require land ownership. I don't like the idea of land ownership simply because it is sold via real money. I would prefer an instance zone to choose from based on planet and terrain that can be managed in a solo way or inviting people. How would you protect it when you log off or is it removed like PES would do for other items? If it would be removed when logged off, there will be no simulation uh, there and would be better served as an instance feature people can get away from the chaos. Um, Zake said farming is already concerned, uh, confirmed, rather, and land ownership along with ships will not be sold for real money upon game release, as, as in it won't even be an option beyond starter packages, and player land or any land in general under UEE protection will be responded to by force. That's the whole point of those beacons. Uh, that's the land claim beacons he's referencing that they talked about when they sold the Pioneer the first time. Um, Zake then said to answer the question though, I really want manufacturing and crafting, even though they aren't officially confirmed, they have hinted at them much like they've hinted at being able to own your own space stations, uh, much like the planned, uh, planet side manufacturing and crafting would go well next to farming, especially in an exploration org where we could potentially be exploring somewhere new and need to make our own stuff since supplies may be lacking. Um, Tukey2D said, not an, answer, not an answer, but just a further question. Well, why don't we do his last then since it's a further question? I should have, I saw it and I should have moved it before. Um, Canuck2099 said, not sure. I guess it would depend on what color the beam would be. Uh, I think that's a play on the fact that a lot of themes th things seem to be beam oriented. Um, don't know how cynical versus just being funny he is right there. Um, let us know, Kodak. <laughs> uh, Strikeout Actual said, I would love to see crafting manufacturing. They could be a way to link a couple of professions. Miners have a reason to mine the lesser ores. Space haulers have a reason to haul cheaper metals and gases to certain areas. Uh, Canuck2099 said, on a serious note, I think manufacturing and transforming commodities and even repair slash construction materials is essential. It's already an into integral part of certain ship concepts, so it will be. What I personally don't want to see is magic crafting anvils that let players slap together a selection of mats, materials that magically produce items like guns or armor pieces or complex medical stimulants and drugs. That is not something I feel would fit in Star Citizen. Uh, Mark III Generic said, yes, that question was reason enough to boot up Factorio. See you in a couple of months. Less joke, more proper answer. I'm not sure. I would love automating the, I would love automating the production. Yes. Or would I love automating the production? Yes. Would I enjoy setting up all the prerequisites for a smooth supply line? Probably not. But I could see it being something more focused on orgs where numerous citizens are required to keep the gears turning. Um, and then back to Tuki2D. Not an answer, but just to further, to further the conversation, what are the limitations of replicators in the verse? 
So what do you think the limitations of replicators are in the verse uh, Skyguard? I don't think they exist. Okay. Um, well, it, it's There's been nothing really suggested that replicators exist. I mean, especially when it comes to quantum, it all comes down to supply chains. Um, mm. There certainly might be 3D printers for certain parts. I suspect, like, Drake ships, and I might have the certain more complex part just 3D printed. Mm-hmm. It's cheap and easy to do. Um, but in terms of yeah. Star Trek style poof replicators, we've got a we, look, we got a new engine here. Look, we got a new reactor here or new cockpit or and that sort of thing. I don't believe that's going to happen. Everything is, from what I've seen, seems to be pointing towards. Yeah, there's a reason why you got to go out and sell it. Yeah, there's a reason why you want to go grab this component. Because suddenly having replicators in games, it very much devalues physical objects. Because what does it matter if you've got, I don't know, jump tank going? You've got a replicator. What do you care? You'll just make as much as you want. Whatever you want, as much as you want of it. All you need is energy and maybe a little bit of matter. Hmm. Okay. Good point. Um, and and I guess that that would imply that he means the true replicator via Star Trek versus say something like a three D printer. Um, hence my sort of like, huh. Uh, what do you think, Seagard? Lim- limitations of replicators. I. Yeah, converting matter to different shape matter, pretty limited. But I do think. You know, automated milling, you know, manufacturing equipment is possible. Yeah, I think it's not only possible, we're already doing it. Yeah, you know, yeah. Exactly. we're already doing it. I mean, you know, you put in you put in a request for something and you say what ship it's for and what part number it is, and it'll produce it for you. Right. Now whether you can get it FedEx to you overnight, that's a totally different you know question. <laughs> Um, check off replicators limitations question mark mm, I guess it should I mean I'm, I'm okay with it but what would the limitations of them be then if they were in game um, I don't know I won't say I don't I can't think of anything off the top of my head if theoretically okay. as far in the, fu- as the future as we are probably not too many. Yeah. Um, I would say if it's in the classic Star Trek version, probably not so much. 3D printing, I mean, while it's not necessarily confirmed in game, there's a few instances where we're seeing examples of something similar. Um, there's the um, there's the repair room and the Carrick with something that looks very much like a 3d printer for subcomponents, components, and maybe weaponry. There is a, um, there's the pioneer, which is a giant 3d printer. Uh, there is the, um, dumpers depot, uh, which dumpers depot has a, a bunch of things like that. Um, the construction yards sort of look a little bit like, uh, like there's some elements of that. And then even our food 
dispensing machinery on our ships look a little bit like they make me think of the expanse where you put in, you know, I want white kibble and it gives you that. Um, so it might be a little bit like a (laughs) white kibble. Is that it? Red kibble. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there's white kibble as well. What's next green? Uh, the only two I've seen are red and white. Red kibble is the more po- more commonly mentioned one, though. Um, and the only reason I know there's white kibble is because I just reread the whole series. <laughs> good for you. That's so I was like, oh. It was good, though. Um, yeah, so I think that's, that's the case. Uh, you know, if, if I were to throw in my two cents, um, I think one of the things that could be interesting is not strictly farming for farming's sake, but farming for science sake and trying to splice different seeds for optimal crop output, like actually thinking about the sort of like genetic side that could potentially be a sub game for a farmer. It could um, be interesting. And I think, I think for me, the most interesting part or the most, the most I'd really want to see farming for, unless you could build a massive farm and then then it's just a place for remote areas to get crops. Like, you know, maybe someone could go find a place that is short on crops and there'd be a demand for that kind of thing. And you could build a massive farm if you buy enough land. But I see it as really feeding outposts. Um, manufacturing, they, they've actually not confirmed it, but they have used cra- language around crafting multiple times. I think it's going to come down to having the materials, having a, um, a blueprint, right. And there'll probably be some kind of mini game that involves making the, making the process better. Um, and then the one other thing I'll say is with the hydrant collider thing that they have coming with the endeavor, um, that you could choose to have that is supposed to soup up or, you know, um, max out components, um, or help, you know, make them better. Yep. Uh, I forgot the language they used, not, uh, not max out, but oh, I forgot what it was. Optimize. Specifically. No, they used this very specific term to, and, and I, I watched a video on it yesterday and I can't, now I can't remember. Um, overclock. Okay. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you could use that to overclock components. Well, for me, I'm going to be a ranta farmer because I just want ranta dung to sell. So <laughs> I just need to know what to grow so I can That's feed a, them. <laughs> yeah. What's ranta food look like? Probably right. anything. Anything. That's right. <laughs> I know what it looks uh, like afterwards. <laughs> any other thoughts on this, gentlemen? Yeah. Those are good, all good answers. Those are, those are good. No. Um, so we didn't get any questions this week in our Q&A, but I did have a question since we, we talked about it a lot um, before the, the show, as well as um, some of the stuff I've seen online, as well as some of the stuff that's been going on in Discord. Um, what did you guys think of the Starfield news that we saw this weekend? Is it a game that you want to play? And 
how much of a star citizen killer is it? And I know all of your answers because I already knew them and we're on the same page, but <laughs> Skyguard, take us um, away. I'm definitely going to be playing it unless there's some major issue that pops up. Um, certainly looks entertaining to say the least. Um, I like the art style. I played Fallout 4. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, however, Starfield's more my style, and I've been watching it for a while. Um, I do not think it is a Star Citizen killer at all. I believe it might actually bring more people to the game. Because Bethesda's, despite the problems with 76, is certainly more known in the industry for putting out good, if not decent, RPGs. So, And especially with Microsoft just buying them, and it's in Microsoft's best financial interest for this to succeed, especially since it's probably not going to be microtransactions. Um, I think it'll do yeah. pretty well. And okay. People might cool. go looking for. Ooh, I want some more of that. Excellent. Seaguard. Uh, yeah, I I don't think it's a killer. I do think it will have an impact. Um, Certainly. It, you know, it is a standalone game first, and then I think it has a little bit of a, a sandbox ability. Right, you're kind of free to travel where you want, uh, but I think there's an underlying mission within it. So I think it's competitive with Squadron Forty Two, um, and I, you know, I, I definitely think it's kind of in line with a lot of the survival games we've seen in the past. So, yeah, I'm I'm intrigued to play it. Um, I don't know if I'll get it right off or not. Um, I'll get a feel from other people first before I actually try it myself. Um, and you know. Depending on the timing of its release and Squadron 42's release, you know, that could be, you know, an issue. If they release simultaneously, you know, the the playthrough will be relatively the same, I think, probably for duration. And then um, I think, you know, Squadron 42 will retain more people because it does have continued sandbox play at a much, you know, much higher level. than I suspect we'll see in, in the other game. Um, but I think they're both good. I think it's a good sign for the, for the genre of space operas. Mm-hmm. I think it's, uh, you know, anything that pushes a little bit on star citizen, I think that's a good thing, right? I mean, they've got to be competitive and it may, you know, they have a very high quality standard already, but, what can they learn from this and, you know, take away and improve Star Citizen? From what I've heard about Chris Roberts, he de- he definitely watches other games and goes, ooh, let's add oh, yeah. that in. Absolutely. I mean, it's probably why this game's taking so long, because it <laughs> keeps getting out yeah. real real size planets, salvage, uh, and anything else you recently... <laughs> yeah, I think they uh, definitely watch you. Not not Star Citizen so much, but Squadron. It's definitely Squadron uh, competitor, and that's why it's a twenty three release. I think Squadron is going to be, and I think it's going to be really important for Squadron to beat that release and to come out first, because uh, I think they 
will be similar in, in a lot of ways. And and don't forget, it's a console. It's an Xbox and a PC release, both. Because uh, it's already on Steam, so that means it's going to be a PC version. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but having an Xbox version, we're talking about a huge, huge audience for that. And the... And then the whole, you know, uh, what, what will be the ultimate FPS on that? Because that, you know, it's uh, it, it matters to the to, to younger generation. It's all about if they if it's a first-person shooter component, a competitive component. I don't know if there will be one besides the story mode. They did insinuate, like Secret said, you can explore a thousand planets, make it your own. Uh, I don't know if there's going to be like I said, in the PvP multiplayer component and how uh, efficient it will be for, to attract the new gen. It's definitely, I don't see it to be a sim, like a space sim, with all the mechanics and all the physics of Star Citizen. Uh, but again, in a story mode, I don't think it matters because I think story mode attracts a different uh, uh, player. And uh, for that, I think it would definitely be a competitor to Squadron. Uh, and plus, it has these components that I, you know, I've been talking about in our last episode. I, I, I don't know if they will have them, but I could see them coming. There's little puzzles and, you know, um, uh, solving little, you know, mini games. You know, they were insinuating. I saw, like, the watch opening up the door and, uh, he's, you know, fiddling with the watch, trying to de- decode something. So, uh, if they can have a lot of that type of play in it, it's going to be definitely very interesting. Like I said, more of a Squadron Forty Two competitor. Is it a, is it a multiplayer game or no. a massively multiplayer? Game? No, no, it's not massively, and they didn't say multiplayer. They they insinuated that, that there's a sandbox component. They will allow you to take your own track. But, the, but what does that really mean? There are story mode games that allow you to take your own track too, and they're not necessarily multiplayer. So yeah. that I think is unknown. My guess is multiplayer most likely, and the uh, MMO probably not. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. The other thing I, I think they're definitely trying to, um, you know, he has that robot companion, I guess, is what I gleaned from the commercials. Um, I can see that they've kind of, you know, potentially built in a sense of you're alone and you're having to be, um, not in survival mode, but you certainly have to be self-sufficient to survive in the game. Right. Right? Isn't Skyrim also like one of the best VR games out there? Yeah, Skyrim's good. Skyrim, I played a little bit for my son over it, wrote it for me. Uh, Right. But they didn't say anything about VR in this either. Yeah. So there is no VR. Who knows? Um, I personally, obviously, I don't think it's a Star Citizen killer. I don't think it's a Squadron killer. I think, if anything, it's its own entity. And it, it'll have elements that we love and elements that we're like, eh. Um, I, for one, am not a huge fan of RPG elements. So, like, I like role-playing. I don't like, you know, uh, this thing means that now you're going to have X amount of more accuracy with your gun. Um, you like but the since, personal skill aspect. Yeah, 
Yeah. And look, I am not great at combat, so I don't, I don't choose to put myself at the front of that line, so to speak. I'll, pl- I'll play it for a variety, but it's not my first choice. Um, will I, w- once Star Marine's a little bit better, or when they finally introduce Theaters of War, will I play those game modes to make sure my skills are sharp in case someone boards my ship? A hundred percent. Um, is it going to be what I do all the time? No. Um, but it does seem like an interesting game. I'm also like, I am not the single player game guy. I just, not anymore. Yeah, not me anymore. I've never played single player games. I've always, even when I've played FPS games, it's been Call of Duty, and I I'll play the first player missions, um, but I won't like I don't care about the well. Also, because the stories tend not to be that amazing, um, but like I don't care about this. At least looks like it has a really compelling story. Um, That's what I think. But, you know, I like more of the like org building and sort of the the broader implications of having a lot of people working together to accomplish a, a larger task, um, you know, not so much that other stuff. So it is what it is. I, it, I'll, I'll probably play it. Um, I'm sure I've been I dying will. to get an I've been dying to get an Xbox. That might be what maybe I'll get it for console. It can't be all that uh, much more expensive than Star Citizen. <laughs> it, it certainly can't be more expensive than I've made Star Citizen. Yeah, I was just going to say it can't. It can't be. I, 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 I looked at my receipts and looked at the total that I've spent, and I'm like, oh god, I would have, not share have, have this we with all hit concierge now or what? Oh, I, I've been for a while. I've hit the second tier. <laughs> Seagull's third tier, isn't he? Yeah, I'm up there. <laughs> Nick's got the the um, you know the six hundred dollars. Anybody reached the wing commander yet? <laughs> I haven't, and I now not to. You can have three Xboxes and surround the. Uh, what am I, Space Marshal? I think I'm Space Marshal. Is what I am. I am. I am what? I think it's Grand Admiral or whatever the second one is. Whatever the second. I, I got the pistol. Not the pistol, the sniper rifle. Hey, oh, it's cheaper nice. than cars. <laughs> yeah, I'm oh, a, I, I'm uh, sorry. True. I am Praetorian. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a cadet still. And Praetorian in Latin stands for dumbass. <laughs> now on the plus side if you're a subscriber that counts towards the total so that isn't necessarily everything but you know that's at least $120 a year if you're on the minimum oh yeah Um, uh, Seagard I forgot to ask you before but what is your question for this week okay so um, I actually just posted this. Uh, uh, Skyguard actually, I think, was the first response or second response. First response. But uh, so, as it's alien, as it's alien week, I think that some of the alien races would be very alien. Maybe they don't use uh, vocal signals and instead use complex or complex heat signatures, um, for example. Uh, 
you know, what type of alien special play would you like to see? Okay. I mean, how weird do you want to go? Well, <laughs> there's, I mean, there's some really weird examples out there, if you want. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's, there's, there certainly is. Um, like, I was just kind of, you know, I needed a question. This is what I came up with. Um, but like for me, I was thinking, you know, if you're, if you're, um, who are the bird, who are the bird race, the uh, Tavarin? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the Tavarin, you know, maybe their predator. Their primary predator on their planet was a lizard, cold-blooded lizard. Yeah. So to indicate predatory natures, or when they're in that com- that predatory mode, maybe they lower the heat signature of not only themselves, but they also lower the heat signature of their ship. Wow. You know, we may have seen I think this question finally gets us the little E in a red box designation podcast. Geeky, you know, what's that? Explicit, the explicit? yeah. <laughs> you know, um, depending on the answers, <laughs> well, we'll, we'll see what we'll see what the answers say. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're, they're definitely going to go there now that you brought that up, check. Go, go, you have to go there. <laughs> I will, I will censor it. Stick yeah. around, open up the can of worms. That's it. We're no longer PG. <laughs> so, so somebody's um, responding already. Let's see what in your you know, like you're a Star Trek fan. Remember the uh, was it the Morta, the Vorta, oh. the, the lava creature that drills all those holes and was killing everybody? Oh. you know that was a whole series. That was a whole show in Star Trek trying to figure out how this, what this creature was doing. You know, and oh. uh, Spock was able to mind meld with it, of course, I but. Know. Uh, so I, I finally, speaking of which, I finally got Paramount Plus. I'm watching all Star Treks at the same time simultaneously. I'm watching oh all five of them. Have you watched the Pike one yet? Oh, it's great. It's great. Oh, it's my love. goodness. It's really amazing. I love it. It's, it is I've so good. I've been meaning to start that one. It is yeah. so good. This is exactly what. Yeah, no, you, you have to watch it. I'm not. I'm not gonna. Yeah, and I'll discovery. I, there was a lot of hype around discovery. You know, um, in the beginning of it, I, I love discovery too. I love discovery it. is fantastic, and yeah. I tell you, every season has such a good story. Yeah, with such a twist, you're going to be like blown away. It's yeah. great. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, if you want to reply non-explicitly to Seagard's question, ask questions, tell us what you did for science, banter with us in general, tips and tricks, whatever whatever floats your boat, you can submit them to our old email address, readcastsc at gmail.com. Um, and Chekhov will send me the password so that next week we don't have to say that. Um, you could DM our Twitter handle at citizencastsc. You can submit a message through our anchor on our Citizen Cast Discord, where we actually have all of those listed out in separate sections, even when Seaguard posts in the wrong one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or you can, or you can text us. Sure. <laughs> there you go. You can text us or leave a voicemail uh, at our Google Voice, which is 646-783-8154. Um, and if you are looking for someone to crew up with, looking for an org, looking for people to play with in between your solo sessions, or just looking to check out a really cool community, uh, take a look at Parlay House. It is a neutral zone for all types of players. Um, I, I think the only rules be respectful. 
Um, and if you can't tell by some of the members, that's very loose. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, it's funny because you, you say that, but we just had our, our first um, kind of incident within the last three weeks. Oh, I yeah. didn't hear about this. This will yeah, have to so, be post-show banter. Yeah, so uh, yeah. I'll, I'll fit you guys in right here because I think it's something that, you know, everyone can kind of learn from and, uh, you know, at least, you know, take to heart and uh, see if they can, if they have a better way or a different way of doing things and how they're handling things. But so the idea is that, you know, we didn't want to just um, leave the authority to one person to say, hey, this person shouldn't be in the org or not, right? We, we, mm. It's not an org specifically for that reason. And we wanted to kind of embrace all types of gameplay and everybody who plays the game and give kind of a neutral place, you know, so hence the pirating theme of a parlay house where you're, you have equal rights during parlay. Um, but we had, we had an incident and, uh, you know, just two guys were, I would say aggressive and kind of just fairly hostile. They, they were, it sounded, we, we think they were a little bit stoned. A couple guys have said that, and they were actually not a little. They were pretty fried. And uh, <laughs> they asked a question, and someone offered them help, and they, they really kind of chewed him out and told them F off and everything else. So um, I don't want to kick anybody out. Oh. That's, that's not it. You know, Certainly things like child porn, you know, any type of porn, yeah. that's going to get you booted, right? That's that's not what we're about. Be, you know, but we are get along with people, and sometimes it's not always easy. But if you can't get along, then step away from each other and play in different corners of the parlay house. Uh, so what we kind of came up with, uh, I brought some recommendations about this, is that you know we're not going to boot them from the. We're not. In fact, we're not. We won't do anything until if it occurs again. This will be our new way of approaching it. Um, we'll, we're basically going to give a few people authority that are on regular on a regular basis to actually um, push those kind of offenders into the, the more private channels away from the communal channels uh, and, you know, do it for a certain amount of time and notify them what's happening and how long, and they can choose to deal with it as they see fit. But, uh, you know, instead of letting it fester and causing someone else to, to leave the org, um, you know, this is a way we think we can manage it. You know, we have multiple channels, which, you know, are more for people who want to run missions with just a small group and not have outsiders in or things like that. So that's where they can go play if they want to do that until they can, you know, they've kind of settled and, you know, they understand the rules a little bit better. So that was, that was just something in our learning. We knew it would happen eventually. Uh, and I'm glad that was, it was brought to my attention. Oh, did you just kill a fly, or was that your cat? Oh, it wasn't no. me at all. It was. So, so the uh, so that's that's what I wanted to share. So um, if Let's you're an check off, I see the spike. Another <laughs> channel. That's we actually take up spanking now, and that was the <laughs> example. Oh, well. I mean, <laughs> I, I just I just want to remind you, Chekhov. I am still recovering from a stomach bug, and you're just lucky the chamber's not loaded. <laughs> um so so, so 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 how'd i do do i get voted off the spaceship with no helmet or what <laughs> no no you do good the airlock's right over there please <laughs> <Let yourself out. laughs> 
Well, that uh, that's oh. great. To... So, so Skyguard owes us a recipe. Ooh, okay. Well, we, we've got the, the closeout yeah, now. The, or the you outro. want to do it now? We need the outro. It would be much better with that. He's our, he's our playhouse cook. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, well, then I guess before the recipe, um, also don't forget to check out our other friends of the show, uh, as well as they are content creators. We've got Earth's videos, Snorkel's videos, and Undead Parrot's videos on YouTube. And of course, there's the music of Admiral Cody and Calibri, including what you hear in this episode. Links for everything can be found in the notes. And that wraps up another episode of Citizen Cast. Thank you so much for joining us, Skyguard. It was great having you. And now we'd love to hear about your recipe. Okay, something simple and easy. Uh, takes a lot of skills, so I'm sure our listeners will appreciate it. Uh, French omelet. Need two eggs, butter, salt, cheddar cheese, a little pepper in a non-stick pan. For medium-low heat, uh, whisk the eggs together vigorously, not letting any, any curds or you don't want any large chunks. Small pieces. Um, once it starts becoming a monstrous mess, stop stirring, put some cheese in, and start rolling up. Uh, you're going to want a good nonstick pan, so maybe your mom's or grandmother's. Um, don't go for the cheap stuff you'll have a bit. So top with pepper, maybe a little bit of chopped green onion if you feel like that, and then you can it. Mm, I'm hungry. I'm going to make an omelet. Nice. <laughs> I mean, that's similar to like the the French style, like the soft scramble eggs too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, you can basically get the recipe up on appetite. So if you're mm. if you're in space doing this, which wing do you put it on to cook it, and how far away should you be from the sun? <laughs>